Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Aniko Ball, who is a dentist and an Alexander Technique teacher in Melbourne, Australia. And we're going to talk today about inner ergonomics and outer ergonomics. Aniko, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be on your show and to talk with you, Robert. Well, likewise. Um, before we get into the, this ergonomic uh, topic, um, could you give our listeners a very short definition or description of the Alexander Technique? Yes, um for me, the Alexander Technique is the user guide for how we were designed to move and hold postures. Mm-hmm. If we ever got a little user guide when we were born attached to our necks, unfortunately we don't. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it has been for me, both a user guide for dentistry and also everyday life. Also, it, it um, helps enormously to be present and grounded in life in whatever situation, in whatever activity. It's been life-changing for me, and this is what I teach my colleagues. Right, and that that leads into, the, uh, I suppose, the obvious question. Um, you don't find a lot of medical professionals uh, in mid-career uh, deciding to become Alexander Technique teachers. And... Um, you have, I know, a really interesting story to tell about how that happened to you. Could you give us a, we've talked about it in earlier podcasts, uh, I think more extensively, but could you give our listeners a, a short recap of why you made that pretty dramatic change? Yes, so I have been a dentist for about 40 years and I spent most of that time starting as a dental student in severe pain, neck, back, shoulder, hip joints, everything hurt, tried everything. I went to every specialist, doctor, physical therapist I could think of and find. All of them were very helpful. None of them gave me long-term relief and prevention. And it wasn't until I stumbled and literally stumbled upon the Alexander Technique and I learned that my regular work postures and even outside the dental clinic, I was moving and holding postures that were harmful to me and learned to change them thanks to the inner ergonomic principles of the Alexander Technique and I got well. And then I decided that I'd better train as a teacher and take this wonderful knowledge to my profession and save my colleagues from the desperate suffering that I had to endure for decades. And now I know it is possible to overcome and prevent in the first place. Right, and and you founded uh, uh, Optimal Dental Posture specifically to promote recovery and prevention of uh, work-related injuries in the dental profession. Yes, that was my aim to to take this initially around Australia and also globally to send a message of hope to the dental profession that they don't have to work and suffer pain. So it's occupational chronic pain that I talk about 
And of course, everything that we do in our work, we also do to some degree in our everyday life, but it gets accentuated in dentistry where all the attention is in the patient's mouth and dentists don't learn to look after themselves. Right. And it's not just dentists, of course, it's uh, dental hygienists as well. They face those same issues. Dental. So I train the whole dental team, dentists, yeah. dental hygienists, oral health therapists, dental assistants, and also receptionists. And I'm currently doing lots of trainings where I go out to dental practices and mm-hmm. I look at the setup and I look at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is a problem. Uh, I've also trained uh, some doctors and ear, nose and throat specialists. I know it's a problem among surgeons, among uh, IT people so it's kind of a, a problem everywhere right and I want to I want to come back to that but but uh, first I, I wonder if you could give our listeners a, a short description or definition of inner ergonomics which is a term I believe you've coined and outer ergonomics and what the difference is and how they relate to each other Yes, so this is something I came up with. It's a genius uh, term. It's a genius <laughs> term, in my opinion. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I spent years trying to figure out why I was unable to get well, and I was declared an absolutely hopeless case. I could barely move before I stumbled upon the um, Alexander technique. And I had um, people coming out to the dental practice to look at to help me with my uh, pain. And these were from work health and safety in Melbourne, Australia. And they looked at the height of the um, dental chair and the bench tops and no one looked at what I was doing. And I realized during my training that all the research and development, a massive amount of money is being spent on, on ergonomic research in dentistry. And I realized it's all about the dental equipment and the surgery layout and it's not about what you're doing inside yourself how you organize yourself from the inside out and that's when during my training the 1600 hour training that i did over four years as you know it's in person not online Mm -hmm. so it's heavy duty training and during that time i practiced dentistry Mm part-time And I realized that there is a difference and I need to look at, call outer ergonomics, everything that's to do with equipment and, and uh, surgery layout and instruments. And good design is important and we can touch on that if, if you wish. However, you can have the very best dental chair, dental stool, everything perfect and still sit in a terrible way where you're twisting and bending your spine and doing great injury to yourself. So the operator's efficiency inside themselves in posture and movement is what I decided to call the inner ergonomics. And I I consider the Alexander technique among the many things that it offers. It offers the inner ergonomic principles for, uh, for, for us, uh, for our biomechanical design. Yes, and I I had a conversation years ago with an ergonomist who also had quite a bit of Alexander Technique training. And she said the business world is littered with ergonomic furniture that no one uses. Uh, Expensive chairs and other equipment that just 
it, it, it hasn't helped anybody or it hasn't helped most people and so they just don't use it anymore because that, and I, I think in, in the terms you're using it's because that focus is all on outer ergonomics in, in the ergonomics profession itself. I have two things to say about that, um, Robert. First of all, I have looked at ergonomic design, er, er, so-called ergonomically designed um, equipment and chairs, especially for dentistry, and a lot of it has it does not have biomechanical uh, design principles in mind, has mm-hmm. no, no understanding. Mm-hmm. And the other is that people need to be educated as to why they should use something that's well designed when it is. So just putting out an item and saying this is ergonomically designed and let's hope it is and often it isn't, you then need to educate people as to why. Right, right. And 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 just to get back to the, the ergonomics profession uh, in general, there is a section of that called human factors which one might think had to do with your idea of inner ergonomics, but in fact, it's about things like ambient temperature and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's all outer. It's all outer, is what, yeah, it's the yeah. point I want to make. So, you know, I was thinking about this podcast, and I've certainly seen lots of pictures of you showing dentists and hygienists uh, how to use themselves well in, in, in an dental um, office or dental uh, surgery kind of situation and it occurred to me that the challenges faced by dentists and hygienists and other dental profession professionals is basically an order of magnitude greater than that faced by people sitting at a desk working at a computer all day. That is, that's challenging enough for people to do well, but for what you have to do, there, there's this incredible amount of bending and twisting and focusing all your attention on a tiny little area of the human mouth with all sorts of equipment around you to be able to see into that and doing incredibly precise work, uh, any any um, mess up in could cause problems. Whereas someone sitting at a desk, it's, it's again, that's challenging enough for eight hours a day. But if they make a mistake in, in uh, writing out something, they can just go back and fix it. And so it seems to me that the lessons that you bring from dentistry are, are you're kind of at the cutting edge of the inner ergonomics, outer ergonomics divide, as it were. Yes, uh, you expressed that well. And let me add another layer of complexity and challenge for dentists is that all of that, which you described so well, we do on a moving target. So it's not a fixed Mm-hmm. Uh, tooth mm-hmm. and and also the tooth we work on is attached to a human being who is often very afraid and so um, that adds extra tension and and complexity for dentists and the whole dental team to deal with and i'm and i would guess oh sorry i i would guess that dentists as a group are pretty well attuned to fear in their patients right 
Not necessarily, oh, and really? this is something that I'm now incorporating in my in my training is is looking after themselves and their patients um, and becoming aware of stress levels. Dentists are not trained to deal with the human being who is terrified quite often, at times mm. phobic, and they don't have a good set of self-care skills and also calming techniques for patients. So I'm now incorporating um, not only occupational chronic uh, pain but chronic stress i i trained very highly many years ago in in um, calming techniques stress management for myself and my patients i'm not sure if you're aware that dentists have one of the highest suicide rates in the world i did know that yes yes and and to what do you attribute that um why higher than doctors for example so um I haven't looked at the latest research uh, studies and putting down reasons, but when I last looked, and it wasn't too long ago, it's a combination of the work we do, the kind of personality that is attracted to do dentistry. So you've got to be uh, a perfectionist and obsessive compulsive in many ways in order to deal with tiny details. And a lot of dentists have got some neuroticism as a background before they even get into the surgery because it's that's that's the sort of personality that wants to train. Mm-hmm. And and also imagine seeing um, patients all day who are often very afraid. They don't really want to see you, but they've got to come because they might have a broken tooth or in pain. And you need to do procedures that are often uncomfortable, to say the least, at times painful. And they have to work in a, in a small room. They're not trained in business management initially so and they, and yet they have to not only do dentistry but manage their business there are so many pressures and and the clock time pressures emergency patients it's an endless um, list of challenges hmm. so um do you have any other um anything else you'd like to say about this inner ergonomics outer ergonomics uh, uh paradigm that you've come up with and either yes. and perhaps maybe more general for for pe- for for people who are not necessarily dentists but have have uh work requirements that have a history of creating issues like carpal tunnel syndrome and neck pain and that sort of thing yes so it is really important to understand how your body was designed to move and hold postures. And for example, with carpal tunnel syndrome, whatever work you do, and in fact, most activities, we tend to to grasp things with our hands. Mm -hmm. And and as you very well know, the the tendons of the muscles that contract the fingers cross over at this very narrow carpal tunnel region, which Mm -hmm. is in the area of the wrist. Mm -hmm. And so constant contraction is, is, is a problem because there is inflammation and, and swelling and, and pressure on the nerve to the fingers. And so I say to dentists, and this is applicable to anyone, is that when you don't have to grasp instruments or whatever it is in your hand, then extend. So uh, I find that people are unaware and they don't check in with themselves and notice what their hands are doing when they're not doing anything. And they tend to be class and um, and held in a fist position or holding a pen when you don't have to hold a pen or holding a mobile phone or key when you don't need it. So I say to people, 
um, watch your gripping habits. Release and extend your fingers and hand whenever possible to avoid um, stressing those um, that carpal tunnel area. And that goes for any body part. Don't use any muscles and contract them when you don't need to. And this is part of the Alexander training and having uh, lessons with an Alexander teacher is learning to pay attention to yourself and notice when you're using uh, muscle contraction in body parts that you don't need. And the other area, for example, neck, I'm finding that most people, whether any anyone on the dental team, including receptionists and, of course, people on the trains and anywhere I look, are bending down, looking at mobile phones, using their cervical spine, the neck area to bend, which is not designed for bending. Below the ear, below mm-hmm. the second vertebra, all the joints are gliding joints. They're not pivot joints or hinge joints. Mm-hmm. So I teach people to look down at the height of the ear where their nodding joint is for looking up and down. Mm-hmm. And, and use the wonderful uh, hinge joint called the elbow to bring the mobile phone to closer to the eye. So this is inner ergonomics, using the right joints for the right movement, organizing yourself from the inside out in a way that cooperates with design. Mm-hmm. And and um, would you say a word or two about um, how people sit in general and uh, our, our sits bones as the 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 parts of us that are designed to bear our weight but often are not used that way. Yes, now this is a very important area, Robert, that I talk a lot in my training programs. And, and this is where I bring together the inner and outer ergonomics of sitting. And, and so um, it's very important to sit on the sit bones. So inner ergonomic learning and training is about knowing what you're meant to sit on. And, and that you need to have your feet on the ground, um, underneath the knees so that the weight of the leg can fall through to the floor, and then thinking up inside yourself so that you're not collapsing and your spine is, on, is in its full um, extension. And, and so that's the, and, and the hip joint should be higher than the knees. So these yes. are the inner ergonomic principles. Mm-hmm. And then what, what's the optimal seating um, the seat that you sit that you should sit on, and this is where outer ergonomics comes into it. And the ideal or optimal seat should be firm, so that you can feel your sit bones. Right. It should be. It should have a slight forward slope, so that the hip joints can be higher than the knees. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, for dandy street also needs to be a non-slip surface, so that mm-hmm. there is a bit of a grip. Mm-hmm. And what I'm finding, and I'm horrified to see this, is that most uh, chairs and office chairs and dental stools are soft, so you can't feel your sit bones. Many chairs, are, in order to be stackable, are backward sloping. And of course, if you're not sitting on your sit bones, if you're uh, leaning backwards, you're reversing your lumbar curve. Mm-hmm. And that's just about guaranteed to give you chronic back pain. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I, this is one of the wonderful interfaces that I talk about is, is knowing how to sit well, uh, inner ergonomics of, mm-hmm. of sitting, and then what to sit on, good outer ergonomics for a chair or dental stool. So basically, you could generalize and say that inner ergonomic principles 
are what you need to take advantage of outer ergonomic rearrangements or design. Exactly. Yeah, and exactly. that and and it's a, it's it's such a shame, really, that in the ergonomics profession generally, I I don't think there's much thought about certainly not the phrase inner ergonomics, but but even some of the basic concepts of it. Um, they are totally unaware. To give you an idea, for example, in, in dentistry, the foot control that dentists have to step on to operate the drill, um, most are, are up and down, which cooperates with the design of the knee and ankle joint, mm-hmm. which are hinge joints, although mm-hmm. the ankle joint can twist to the side, is predominantly a hinge joint, but mm-hmm. there are many, many foot controls that require a side swiping movement, which doesn't cooperate with design so well. Mm-hmm. And when I inform dental companies that it's the up and down foot control that's far better, they're quite surprised because they were unaware. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Aniko, is there anything we haven't covered that you want to mention before we come to a close? I think we have covered that quite well. And I guess one thing I should say is is this, that people are thinking, for example, I I get asked all the time, what position should I sit in? Um, What angle should Hmm. I have my patient? And that's going organizing yourself from the outside in. So it's it's a kind of an outer ergonomic towards the inner yes, and different to equipment. And I say to people, you need to go from the inside out. You need to say, I need to look after myself because I know my body wasn't designed to twist to the side and bend where I don't have uh, bending joints. So where can I sit? How, what height can I have my patient? Or if you're uh, working at a desk, where should my, my computer be? Um, should I get my patient to turn to the side so that I can cooperate with my biomechanical design so that I can look after myself? So not looking at outer positions, but going from the inside out. So, yeah, once you're sort of tuned in to the inner ergonomics principles, then I think quite naturally you'll to the extent you can, you'll arrange things at your desk or at your workstation or whatever um, to to fit in with that. That that's the inner is really the primary one, and the outer is just something that maybe make facilitates it to a certain extent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it's far more important to know what to do inside yourself, how to coordinate yourself. And, of course, it's helpful if you don't uh, sit on a really soft chair that's sloping yes. backwards, but you can at least sit forward once you know that that's not good for you. So mm. I agree with you 100%, Robert. Well, let's let's um, uh, bring our conversation to a close. Um, my guest has been Aniko Ball, an Alexander Technique teacher and a dentist living in Melbourne, Australia. And I'll put a link to her uh, her website um, on optimal dental posture. But uh, do you also uh, teach teach Alexander lessons to, how can I put it, ordinary people? Or are you working exclusively with dentists? I'm currently foc- focusing exclusively for uh, the dental profession because... Mm-hmm. There is just 
nobody else that I know of teaching this. Right. Well, and if you're if you're a dentist either in Melbourne or anywhere, uh, I recommend you visit visit uh, Anika's site. And I know you give workshops in different locations, and I think it's um, I think a dental professional anywhere would do well to to um, uh, study this in greater depth. So oh, very much, and uh, I'm hoping to get into the dental schools and train young people before they get into bad habits. Right, that's where it really needs to start. Um, so anyway, Aniko, thank you so much for this interview. It's been a great pleasure for me talking to you again. It's been a great pleasure, Robert. Thank you.